0: Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's you here. And I'm Gabby.
1: And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives...
2: Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities.
1: Okay, so we're, we're lying in bed and we're both scrolling through on our phones and I'm checking out some emails, catching up on some emails, which by the way, I am shamefully behind on and I apologize. Um, we're getting through them though. You are playing Candy Crush Saga. Oh, and by the way, congratulations on reaching level a million!
0: I'm not on level a million. Exaggerator. What,
1: what level are you on then?
0: I don't remember. It's like eighteen hundred thirty something.
1: <laughs> How long have you been playing that game? I don't know. Like eight years.
0: That's, that sounds reasonable about right, Yeah, Yeah yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Well,
1: you're committed and I, I salute you for well, that.
0: Well, it's not like you know, I think about it all the time. It's just there and then when i'm I'm looking to relax at the end of the day, maybe I'll I'll crush some candies. No big deal. So I'm
1: looking through the emails and and uh, I thought I'd check my junk mail folder just to be sure that uh, I didn't miss anything.
0: not because you were looking for some junk. No. Jeff Bezos style?
1: I just, No, no, I have none of that. <laughs> but anyway, I did find this email. Well, here's the headline. I'm just going to read you the headline. Okay. The subject line on the email says, Feminists hate this one weird penis trick. <laughs> what <laughs> the hell what does... does that mean? What does that mean even? <laughs> Feminists hate this... One weird penis trick.
0: What? Unless that trick gets you paid more, I don't think feminists give a shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm trying to think in my mind who the target demographic is, right. you know, for this ad. Chauvinists with erectile dysfunction, probably. Right. Okay. Okay, well, that sure. actually makes sense now. Sure, sure, okay, sure, never mind. sure. Annie it's the Box of Oddities, and we are so glad that you are with us.
0: We're so excited. Uh, the show's coming right up live at Zany's in Nashville. Um, and uh, th- we're getting to crunch time, yeah. where I'm starting to feel like I don't have enough time to do all the things I need to do. And so I've resorted to what I always do, which is really focus on the non-essential. And play Candy Crush Saga. I, yeah. Um. So... Like, today, I'm like, okay, well, I've got to get my topic straightened out, and I wanted to do some some work on, uh, like, our itinerary, um, but instead, I really focused on, like, ordering travel-size toiletries for you.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. So. That's very thoughtful of you. You're Thank welcome. you so much. You're oh, and by the way, we haven't mentioned this. If there are any Richard Cheese fans. Oh my goodness. That that listen to the box of oddities. And if you don't know who Richard Cheese is, do yourself a favor and uh, look him up richardcheese.com.
0: Um I will say I hate the term do yourself a favor. I'm sorry. It sounds okay. all right. awful. But yes, no, it's true. Uh, I love Richard Cheese. I have for so long uh, before it, it, JG and I even met, I was obsessed with Richard Cheese, and then I got to meet him, and I I think probably I can die now. Yeah. When I found out what I found out, I, okay, talk about, tell it, okay. say the thing, All right. All say right. the thing.
1: Richard Cheese did an intermission song for us.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's an original composition by Richard Cheese. <laughs> For our Box of Oddities live show.
0: Was he wearing his leopard print suit while he recorded it? Oh. I think probably. Yeah,
1: he he never takes that off. So.
0: Oh, I couldn't be more excited.
1: Special thanks to Richard Cheese. Okay, I go first today. And this is a weird story, which is good because, you know, we talk about weird stories.
0: Um, sometimes. Yeah. yeah.
1: If I were to ask you what you thought the most perplexing or... Unusual event of the 20th century was what would come to mind?
0: The most perplexing or unusual event of the 21st century? Of
1: the 20th century. Oh, 20th century. Maybe Roswell. Okay,
0: I, I was going to say Roswell, okay. but I didn't know if it was like if you were asking things that were confirmed or it like, you know. Doesn't have to be. Okay. I, I mean, Roswell popped into my head yeah. and then you used that. So I would say that's a good. That's a good example. Roswell,
1: yeah. Any, any UFO sightings, any Bigfoot. The bloop. The, the, the bloop?
0: We'll talk about oh, the bloop.
1: Oh, that's that noise. The bloop? The, okay, the yeah. The The unexplainable or unexplained noise. Okay, no, this, in my opinion, has to be one of the strangest events that really doesn't get the type of, uh, of publicity that a Roswell has.
0: Bruce Springsteen being famous.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: I don't get it. I've just upset so many people. I'm so sorry. I love you all. It's not about you. I you, just don't get it.
1: You just, you're just you just not a fan of the boss. Okay, that's fine. We have a very accepting nature here. Everybody is entitled you're to right. their own feelings. You're right. I shouldn't and, have said that. Okay. In the year 1954, that summer, in fact, it was hotter than normal in Tokyo. Okay. It was extremely hot. And it was particularly uncomfortable at Hanada Airport in, uh, in Tokyo, but it seemed to be business as usual. Now, we don't have the exact date that this allegedly happened on, but a routine flight from a, of a European inbound plane had just landed at Hanada Airport. Okay. The crowd of passengers got off. They grabbed their luggage. Doody doody doo. -doo. Yep. They tootled off the plane and down the runway and into a very hot airport. Fans were going. They didn't have any air conditioning. None of this has anything to do with the story, the temperature of the uh, airport. I just thought I'd throw it in there. To, oh, okay. Because that's how deep my research is. To create is. a story, yeah, to sure. create
0: a, a feeling and a, yeah. an experience.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the crowd is ushered through international customs because it's a European, it was a European inbound uh, plane in there in, in Japan.
0: Mm-hmm. There they are with their luggage, claiming Doritos. Got it.
1: <laughs> no, that was you. <laughs> Whatever. Um, This one guy in particular, this bearded gentleman, very well-dressed. He was middle-aged, a middle-aged uh, Caucasian guy.
0: Sounds a lot like you.
1: I don't have a beard.
0: You've got mutton chops. My bad.
1: So he steps up to the customs official, and then things started to uh, become very strange. He said that he was in, in Japan for a business trip. It was one of three trips that he had taken to Japan to meet with a particular company there. His primary language was French. But he did speak Japanese, and he also could speak several different languages. They asked him for his ID, and in his wallet, he had um, all different types of foreign currencies. So that kind of verified that he was a frequent traveler, and Mm -hmm. that didn't seem unusual. Then they asked him his country of origin, where he was from. And that's where things really became strange and kind of went off the rails. He just kind of casually said, I'm from uh, Taurid, T-A-U-R-E-D. Was on the border between France and Spain. The officials um, kind of looked at each other. They didn't understand what he was talking about. They said that they had never heard of Torrid, that it didn't exist. But he said, "No, I've I've got my my passport." And so he hands him a passport, and it was issued by the country of Torrid, a non-existent country, and it had visa stamps corroborating all of his previous business trips to Japan that he had talked about and many other countries as well. So they were obviously confused. He was confused because they're telling him his country doesn't exist. Right. They called the company that he was supposed to be meeting with. They never heard of him. There was no appointment. They never heard of him. So they started uh, doing a little bit more research. They went through his attache case because that's what people carried back then. And it's a fun word to say. Attaché. So they're digging through his attache case. They find a checkbook. So they do some research and they found out that the bank that his checks were to be drawn on did not exist. So this confused them, understandably. Sure. So the guy, I'm going to call him neatly dressed beardy guy. He kind of scoffed. He didn't... He thought he was being put on. He thought that he was being...
0: Right. Maybe there was pranked. a language barrier. Maybe... <laughs> a uh, language barrier. What's happening?
1: Maybe. Uh, this was way before reality TV. So the idea that maybe he was being punked probably didn't... Right. But he, he was concerned that they were making a fool out of him. So he was starting to get a little bit angry. He felt he was the victim of an elaborate uh, practical joke. Now, the customs officials took out a map, a world map, and they laid it down. And they said, well, where is this country Mm -hmm. that you say that you're from? He pointed to Andorra, which is a small country between France and Spain. And they said, well, that's Andorra. That's not torrid. And he became very angry saying that uh, Andorra didn't exist, but yet it it was right on the map. He said, that's where Torrid should be. That is my country. This is a country that has existed for over a thousand years. Well, obviously, everybody was confused about it. And they thought the best thing to do would be, well, they had to hold him. You know, of they course. Couldn't, couldn't just let like, him go. What are you going to do with him? So they put him at a hotel for the night.
0: Oh, well, that was nice.
1: And the officials tried to figure out. You know, what the hell was going on? Because the man genuinely seemed sincere. He wasn't, he didn't look like he wasn't smuggling anything. He didn't look like he was trying to fool anyone. He seemed genuinely perplexed and actually a bit perturbed that they were telling him his country did not exist. But the fact remained, his country did not exist. So they put him up at a hotel and they put some customs guards by his door because he can't leave. Obviously he is being detained until they figure all this out. Well, the following morning, things got even weirder. They went to his hotel. The guards were still outside the door.
0: <gasps> was he missing? They, he was missing.
1: They opened the door. He was gone. <gasps> and everything that he had with him was gone too. Okay. Now, this is a hotel that was on a, on a very high floor. Okay. There's only one door. There were two customs agents outside the door. They said he never left. And yet, he's not there. They have no idea. He just totally vanished. They're alarmed by this. Of course. They go back to the customs office, and they start poring over his documents to try to find out maybe a clue as to where he went. Or at least they try to, because all of his documents and everything that they seized disappeared as well.
0: What? Like stuff that they had kept yeah. at the... yeah. Did they have some sort of mass hysteria?
1: One of the officials said it was as if that incident had never happened yet everybody remembered it
0: how how many people would have been involved in this? I don't know. I don't I don't have that. sure information. That's a weird question to ask
1: and and there is very little documentation verifying the story.
0: Was there like some sort of gas leak at the airport? That's
1: an interesting question. but the the fact of the matter is, he was on the plane manifesto. He oh, was on the was. passenger manifesto. So his name was there. Uh huh. But the they name... didn't
0: have that he came into the airport?
1: No, he came into the airport. Okay. He got off. The... He flew. He was on the plane. Right. He got off. Okay. And then he just disappeared. So many unanswered questions. If he was on the plane manifesto, how did that happen? If it was a time dimensional slip, if it was like a parallel universe kind of theory, Mm -hmm. and he just kind of slipped into this timeline by mistake.
0: I love how you're launching into this line of questions as though... That's the obvious answer. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it doesn't make any sense because, like, yeah, yeah. If, if he was from a different because dimension, because he's a different
1: dimension guy, that's where I'm going with this. Okay, Beardy. He, he's is from a, Beard, another dimension. Beardy's from a different dimension. Okay. But how did his name get on the passengers list that just.
0: Maybe actually, he came into this dimension in Europe.
1: Could be. That could be. And if his personal belongings can disappear with him, Mm -hmm. then maybe things can appear with him, too, like the manifesto that his name was. I I don't we don't know, Claire.
0: I have a question on the manifesto. Where Mm -hmm. does it say? What does it say his country of origin is?
1: I don't know that that was not referenced. Okay. I don't know. It just it, it was an inbound flight from Europe. A lot of people think this whole incident never took place because they cannot find any official records of the incident.
0: Mm -hmm. Which does lead one to believe that it didn't happen. Or, oh,
1: or if that really happened Uh and you were the official in charge of that situation, Mm -hmm. do you think you'd report it? Would you write it down or would you just kind of keep it to yourself? Are you asking me personally? No, it's more rhetorical. Okay. Would would an official have written up a report that uh, essentially concluded that uh, this this guy just disappeared? Or if there's no evidence and there's no guy, would it be easier to just go, yeah, that didn't happen? It has been reported in several books, uh, including the Directory of Possibilities, which was published in 1981. It's on page 86. Also, Strange But True, Mysterious and Bizarre People. That was published in 99, and that's on page 64, and a lot of this information I pulled from WeekandWeird.com, which is a great website. You should check it out.
0: Um, That is really quite interesting. Um, I wonder if maybe at the airport they'd been serving ergot sandwiches.
1: (laughs) Everything comes back to ergot with you.
0: It always does.
1: Yeah. It's not the only time something like that has happened. In 1851, a man was found wandering around in Frankfurt, in northeast Germany. Uh, he claimed he was from an unknown country, Laxaria, which was on the continent, which was on the continent of Sacria. And then another guy in like 1905 was caught stealing a loaf of bread and he spoke a, a completely unknown language. They finally, you know, were able to communicate somehow. He said he was from a country called Lisbia. And authorities assumed he meant Lisbon or Lisboa in, in Portuguese. Yet his language was not Portuguese. And he, when shown a map, didn't recognize Portugal.
0: Well, I mean, that's a lot easier to to explain away. You know, Sure. The, the, the,
1: I'm just adding some depth to the story. Oh,
0: sure. Way to flesh it out.
1: Yeah, it's me, Mr. Fleshout Guy.
0: You're very fleshy. So that's just...
1: Fucking weird is what it is. (laughs) And I'm convinced it's a time slip. Either Torrid is a country that was once Andorra, but somewhere in the not too distant future, Uh it becomes Torrid and he somehow slipped back in time. That is one theory. Okay. Uh, Another theory is, of course, the multiple universe theory, Mm -hmm. the parallel timeline theory. And then there's the um, Ergot sandwich theory that you just came up with.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm curious if uh, his idea of like Torrid, was it the exact same shape as Andorra? Was it uh, like... From what I got
1: from it, they could have just taken the name Andorra off the map and put Torrid on it and he would have been fine with it. He would have been, yeah, that's it right there. Hmm. And he said that the country had existed for a thousand years. So I guess actually it couldn't have been from the future, could it? Because he said it, it would have... Yeah, because if it was a thousand years in the future and he traveled... Back here, he would have probably been alerted to the fact that he was on a 20th century 1954 airplane.
0: Right. Okay. 1954. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you reiterated that, because that was one of my questions was what year was this? Because you think it was a big year for pranks. (laughs) People were way into pranks that year. No, I just I don't know how um, skillfully people could recreate government documents at that time. But I guess I mean, I guess it's just well, like any other time.
1: It it probably wasn't as hard as it is today I to get away with true. forged documents. No, even I though guess
0: you're right. I don't know, anyway. the, the, how, did you even have photocopiers back then? I don't know.
1: Doesn't matter. It's
0: very interesting. I thought so. Yeah. Thank you. That was a nice story.
1: I would like to think that uh, we could go and visit Torrid, but we can't. Unless we learn how to slip into an alternate universe
2: Well, without an ergot sandwich. Halfway through and you're still awake, it must be time for that thing in the middle. So this thing in the middle, lawyers
1: describe the weirdest things that clients put in their last will and testament.
0: I enjoy this list very much. Number five. Some guy left his prostate
1: to a giraffe.
0: Is that so so, nice? I don't know. So nice. Number four. A lady wanted to create a trust fund for her pet fish. She left him (laughs) $100,000. She wanted him fed fresh avocado every day.
1: Well, there you go. Number three. A man used his will for a final insult. It said, to my estranged son, the sweat from my balls.
0: Oh, Number two, in my trust and estates class in law school, one person writes, we read a case about a man who left everything to his wife, but only if she had his body stuffed and left on her living room couch forever.
1: (laughs) Did she do it?
0: I think it went on to talk about how the court invalidated that request. Yeah,
1: probably. And number one, one man's will revealed a long con with a friend. A Reddit user said, my grandfather hated his neighbor. They lived next door to each other for 20 years. I remember well my grandfather raging at every opportunity about this guy. We never saw them speak to each other. In grandpa's will, he left $10,000, a car and his golf clubs, to this guy he hated. We were dumbstruck. Turns out, they were really good buddies from the army. (laughs) When they coincidentally bought homes next to each other, they decided to play a long scam with both families. They actually played golf together two or three times a week and had a monthly poker night. This went on for 20 years. Why?
2: (laughs) I don't know, but I love it.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. That
2: is performance art. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Life
1: happens really quickly. Sometimes things speed up so much and it just stresses you out. It's important to take a moment or two out of your day for you to calm down, to just... Relax, Chill, baby.
0: That's why um, I appreciate so much the Calm app. Now, I've downloaded the Calm app on my phone, and I've also set up for notifications. So once a day, the Calm app sends me a message, and it says, hey, have you taken a moment for yourself? And I always, always go, oh, no, I got to do that. (laughs) I got to, hold on, okay. And then people would be talking to me. I'm like, hey, I got to take, I got to Calm and
1: it's not just about meditation. I think that's a misconception no, no, no. from a lo- by a lot of people. There are guided meditations sure. on issues like anxiety and stress and focus.
0: But there's also simple things like soothing music and breathing exercises. Wave and
1: sounds.
0: Exactly. Gentle stretches for your body and so much more. And that's what I just get those breathing notification. It's, it's like, hey, would you like breathe like a normal person, just please? Just breathe. Jeez Louise.
1: Sometimes I'll get a notification from them and it'll just kind of jar me out of my thoughts. Right. And I realize that I'm tensing my shoulders. Yeah. It's a good reminder to just friggin'
0: relax. And it's fun because it's not like these notifications say, hey, relax your shoulders. You need to take a few moments for yourself. You know, it just says, take a moment for you. And it just reminds your whole body like, oh, yeah, that's right. This is who I want to (laughs) be. And
1: it reminds you that you're worth taking care of yourself. Soothing music, breathing exercises, the gentle stretches to relax your body so much more. Calm, C-A-L-M. For a limited time, Box of Oddities listeners can get 25% off a Calm Premium subscription. Calm, C-A-L-M, dot calm, C-O-M, slash box. Get started today.
0: Calm.com, slash box. That's C-A-L-M, dot calm, slash box.
1: Unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com, Slash box. C-A-L-M dot com slash box.
0: Give yourself the gift of calm.
1: Whether you realize it or not, you deserve it.
2: More fun than a Civil War reenactment without the smell of fried chicken, sweaty wool, and sunscreen. This is The Box of Oddities.
0: Interesting that you brought up multiple dimensions at a time where I am obsessed with the show Russian doll can we talk about it
1: oh my god you got me into that you started just watching it one night while I was doing some stuff on the laptop I was <clears throat> erasing my my porn history and you started watching this uh, show called Russian doll and I had never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And immediately I got sucked in and you and I binged the whole thing in two nights.
0: Yeah, it was magical. It was an experience. Natasha Leone, I think, is maybe my favorite thing to happen.
1: She's great.
0: She's so good in this show. So good. It's it's like you said, it sucks you in.
1: Mm, if you if you're the type of person that enjoys uh life after death stories, um, or
0: I wouldn't even I wouldn't even put it in that category. I, I,
1: there was an or there I'm or,
0: sorry.
1: or 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 uh, time travel or uh, parallel universes, that type of scenario. You'll fucking love Russian doll.
0: It's like Groundhog Day meets the coolest thing that you've ever met. Yep. Words. Yeah. There are so many layers. The cast is amazing, and it makes you feel things and laugh and cry, and it's all the things. It's all the things. I loved it so much. We're going to watch it again.
1: Yeah. you Really, from what I've read, you have to watch the series a number of times to catch all the little things. It is so well-written. There are just little subtle clues in in the background of the story that uh, help you flesh out what's going on. It's it's just friggin' great.
0: And real quick, Elizabeth Ashley is amazing. Anyway, okay, yeah. yeah. So tell us if you've, if you've watched it, uh, why I want to hear from you, like what are your theories? I mean, try not with the spoilers. Alert with the spoilers if you're going to do it. But if you've got things that you want to share, share. We want to talk about it. I want to talk about it.
1: Okay. In the meantime, what you got for me?
0: Oh, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Well done, mm-hmm. well done. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it is... Black History Month, and this story was brought up to me by my friend, Aaron, uh, who oftentimes will bring me beautiful things and say, hey, what do you think of this? And the answer is always, I love this. Thank you for sharing it with me. Do some
1: of those things include uh, cake?
0: Sometimes. Nice. So let's talk about Sarah Breedlove. Sarah Breedlove was born in December of 1867. She was known as Madam C.J. Walker. You might recognize the name, but you might be like, why do I recognize the name? Yeah, exactly.
1: It sounds really familiar. She
0: was an African-American entrepreneur. She was a philanthropist and a political and social activist. She was born in Louisiana to Owen and Minerva Breedlove. She was one of six children. Her parents and her older siblings were enslaved on the Madison Parish plantation, but Sarah was the first child in her family born into freedom after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. She was, though, orphaned at the age of seven. Her mother died of cholera in 1872, and her father died a year later. At the age of 10, she became a domestic worker in Mississippi, and she would later say that during her childhood, she had only three months of formal education, which she learned during Sunday school literacy lessons at the church that she attended. So she lives with her older sister, Lavinia. And her brother-in-law, Jesse Powell. And the word is that Jesse Powell was kind of a dick and was kind of abusive. And uh, Sarah ended up getting married at the age of 14 in 1882. And uh, some say that that was mostly an effort just to get away from her sister's husband.
1: Some things don't change much, you know?
0: Yeah, there are always dicks. It's It's a pervasive problem. So they had a daughter. Oh, and
1: by the way, if you are a dick, stop.
0: Yeah, Consider stopping. So they had a daughter, Alalia Walker, in 1885. And then two years later, Sarah's husband, Moses, dies. So at this point, she's 20. She's got a two-year-old she, daughter. She's
1: a widow at 20. Yep.
0: Yeah. So she moves to St. Louis, where uh, three of her brothers lived. And she was working as a laundress. Uh, she earned about a dollar a day, but she had this idea, and she was very determined that she was going to make enough money to provide her daughter with a formal education and give her kid, you know, the life that sure. that she didn't have. Um, during this time, she's singing at the St. Paul African Methodist Episcopal Church, which for the longest time I thought was pronounced episcopal <laughs> and so she's seeing
1: that sounds like some kind of a foreign condiment
0: <laughs> oh i thought it sounded like a medical procedure
1: well that, that ah, too... i gotta go
0: in for my episcopal <laughs>
1: hey hey
0: i'm, I'm gonna Try... put some episcopal <laughs> yeah on this naan. hey hey
1: hey don't eat that pancake without putting a little episcopal on it <laughs> mm. <laughs>
0: So she's going to this church and she's seeing these fine ladies with their nice hats and she's got this dream for her daughter and she's just really focused on making something of herself. She's also going through this really rough time with her skin and her hair. It was very common among wh- black women at that time um, to have scalp issues. She experienced severe dandruff and other scalp ailments, including baldness to a certain point because of skin disorders mm. and the application of pro- uh, products that they offered that included things like lye. You know, yeah. you, you can't put lye on your scalp all the time. It's not good for it. You put, um,
1: you put the lie in the coconut.
0: Right. That's different. Right. Mm. And,
1: Don't put the lie on your coconut. Never mind. I ain't a nothing I can take away? No.
0: no. Mm, a scalp aches. Mm? Oh, anyway. Yeah. Keep in mind at this time that... Uh, Most Americans, or at least many Americans, didn't have indoor plumbing and central heating and electricity. There's lots of uh, issues with illness, poor diet, you know, and then when you're making a dollar a day, it's hard to to spend that extra dollars on making sure that your scalp is nice. It's just, you know, it it was a rough time. She did, however, have uh, brothers who were barbers, so she had some understanding of hair care. And then she got a job as a commission agent selling products for Annie Malone. Annie Malone was an African-American hair care entrepreneur and the owner of the Poro Company. So this was right around the time of the Louisiana Purchase Exposition, which was also known as the World's Fair at St. Louis. It was in 1904. Sure,
1: meet me in St. Louis.
0: This thing was huge. I had no idea. I mean, I knew that these, these expositions and the World's Fair kind of things were, were huge, but I didn't realize they were $15 million of capital huge. Yeah,
1: yeah it, it, In 1904? Sure, people came from all over. For the world's fairs in in those days, especially now, I want to watch Meet Me in St. Louis. We can
0: clang, clang, clang goes the trolley. Well, it's our it's our date day, so Ooh, okay, yeah, we right. can we can watch a, oh, a movie that. and and have okay. some delicious celebratory date day foods. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So it was huge. It was a big event. But overall, sales there were kind of a bummer because the African-American community was largely overlooked and ignored. And uh, Sarah was kind of bummed by this because this is how she's making her money now. Mm -hmm. And she's also feeling like, hey, if fifteen billion million goes into funding this stupid fair, why can't we be represented as well? So she remarried in 1894. Uh, She ended up leaving that guy around 1903. Uh, So at this point, she's widowed and divorced. She's 37 when she moves to Denver with her daughter, and she continued to sell products for Malone. But that ended up becoming kind of an issue because at this point, she's starting to create her own line of goods. Okay. And Malone is accusing her of stealing her formula, but it was basically like a petroleum jelly and sulfur kind of thing, which had been around for generations. It wasn't a new concept. It was like, if you said, hey, you stole my peanut butter and jelly idea, (laughs) you can't, it's no, I just made my own sandwich and it's delicious. So it's, it's a gray area. In January of 1906, Sarah marries Charles Joseph Walker. He was a newspaper advertising salesman that she'd known in Missouri. And this is when she becomes Madam C.J. Walker. She starts marketing herself as an independent hairdresser and retailer of cosmetic creams. The madam was adopted from women pioneers of the French beauty industry. So she kind of created a character for herself um, because she was really savvy and she understood marketing and, yeah.
1: Very forward thinking.
0: So... Uh, her husband was her business partner and they talked a lot about advertising and promotion um, and she started selling her products door to door and as part of selling these products she also started teaching women about how to groom and style their hair it wasn't just here buy this pomade it was here let me show you how to make this work for you and by 1906 uh, she's actually doing pretty well and she's put her daughter in charge of the mail order operation while she and her husband traveled throughout the southern and eastern United States to expand the business. And she decides to set up shop in Indianapolis in 1910. She established the headquarters for the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company. Um, She would eventually build a factory, a hair salon, a beauty school. She would train sales agents. She added a laboratory to help with research. And hired a ton of employees. Many of those key management and staff positions were women. She also trained other women to become beauty culturalists using the Walker system, which um, was like the products that you, you would use and how to... How to do it. How to do it. Right. So between 1911 and 1919, during the height of her career, Walker and her company... Walker and her company employed thousands of women as sales agents for its products. And by 1917, the company claimed to have trained nearly 20,000 women using the Walker system.
1: Holy shit.
0: Like I said, she understood the power of advertising and brand awareness. She advertised heavily, primarily in African-American newspapers and magazines. Mm -hmm. And she added... um, training and sales and grooming, showing other women how to budget, build their own businesses. She encouraged them to become financially independent. She started this whole side project, not just about hair, but how to be your own person who can take care of herself and budget your own dollars.
1: See, that is incredibly generous on her part, but also incredibly savvy. The idea that I'm just going to give you this Information for free builds brand loyalty.
0: For sure. It's also dangerous. I mean, a lot of people saw women, especially at that time, um, having their own understanding of money and business as dangerous and destructive. Let alone
1: an African-American. Let
0: alone an African-American woman. Absolutely. And in 1917, uh, she was inspired by the model of the National Association of Colored Women. She began organizing her sales agents into state and local clubs. So it's kind of like, um, think of... You know, Avon or Mary Kay. I was going to
1: say it sounds a lot like like Mary Kay stole her idea.
0: Right. The uh, result was the establishment of the National Beauty Culturists and Benevolent Association of Madame C. J. Walker agents, Holy which is crap. she could have worked on shortening that up. Sure. Uh, but they had their first annual conference in Philadelphia in the summer of 1917, and they had uh, over 200 attendees. Uh, during this conference, she gave prizes to the women who sold the most products and brought in the most agents, which is like any other direct sales company sure. that you know of. Right, you know, your right. friends sell something, and they're always trying to get you to sell it too. You, you know this this model, and she was one of the forerunners of like this is this is what we're gonna do. So she um, also rewarded those who made the largest contributions to charities in their communities. Wow. This conference is believed to have been among the first national gatherings of women entrepreneurs to discuss business and commerce in the States. In
1: 1917. In
0: 1917. Um, Giving was incredibly important to her and she encouraged it in the women that she was training She helped to raise funds to establish a branch of the YMCA in Indianapolis's black community Pledging a thousand dollars She also contributed scholarship funds to the Tuskegee Institute uh, Various churches, schools, uh, the Palmer Memorial Institute in North Carolina She was also a patron of the arts in nineteen eighteen, the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs honored her for making the largest individual contribution to help preserve Frederick Douglass's Anacostia house. Before her death, she pledged fifty thousand dollars to the NAACP's anti-lynching fund. That at that time, that was the largest gift wow. from an individual that the NAACP had ever received.
1: Fifty grand.
0: Fifty grand in nineteen nineteen.
1: That's crazy money. That is crazy money back then.
0: So when she did die, it's 1919, and she bequeathed nearly a hundred thousand dollars to orphanages, institutions and individuals, and her will directed two-thirds of the future net profits of her estate to charity so she wanted to know that even after she was gone, everything that she had helped to build was going to keep giving.
1: So she didn't really have the company that long. She died in 1919. She built that company quickly.
0: The uh, The headquarters for the Madam C.J. Walker Company was built in Indianapolis in 1910. So, yeah, no, um, it, 1906 was when she yep. got she got the left idea. to do the, yep. the, you know. So, yeah, no, it wasn't long at all. But it exploded. It was so she was so savvy and so focused and so committed to not just the products, but these people and the communities. And I think people really latched on to that idea that it wasn't just you're buying soap. You're you're becoming better at the time of her death. The average American's annual salary was seven hundred fifty dollars
1: a year a year. Wow. Wow. Wow.
0: And when she died, she was considered to be the wealthiest African-American woman in America. Her estate was worth an estimated six hundred thousand dollars upon her death, which in today's money, I worked it out, Mm -hmm. is about eight million eight hundred ninety six thousand one hundred fifty six dollars.
1: Not bad.
0: Although she was eulogized as the first female self-made millionaire in America. According to the New York Times, she said in 1917, she was not yet a millionaire, but she hoped to be at some time. The legacy actually continues. She's got a couple of properties listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Villa Loaro is a mansion that she built in Irvington, New York uh, in the mid-1910s. And it is mind-blowingly gorgeous. It's on the National Register of Historic Places, as well as the Madam Walker Theater Center in Indianapolis, which was originally the, um, the manufacturing company where she started in Indianapolis with the what eventually had the factory and the hair salon and the beauty school and all that. So it's, it's incredible how much uh, she was able to amass in such a short period of time.
1: You know, you, you, you hear so many stories about people that come from humble beginnings, yeah. and then they achieve a high level of success and turn into fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah. You know, money ruins people in many cases. Mm-hmm. How refreshing it is when you hear a story like this of somebody who comes from humble beginnings like that mm-hmm. achieves huge success and then gives most of it away.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And... um like i was talking about earlier it's it's one of those stories that i recognized the name but i didn't know the story and so when i started reading this i just kept going oh my god oh my god oh my god and i kept reminding myself of the years that i was talking about like so i'm reading this and i was like oh wow she built this manufacturing thing oh in a laboratory and i'm like okay yeah. hold the phone wow. it's 1910 mm-hmm. and she's an african american woman right and her she and her husband cj <laughs> Charles, 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 she and Charles Walker mm-hmm. ended up divorcing in 1912. So most of this, she she did she did on her own. On her own, yeah. Um, you know, he was there during the the beginning stages and helping to get it set up, and they they were business partners. Uh, but she, they got divorced in 1912. She kept that name and uh, did did pretty okay.
1: C.J. Walker sounds like the name of a really bad 1980s radio morning show host. <laughs> hey, it's C.J. Walker, everybody. Hey. Like
0: that. It's true. Yeah, I've yeah. worked
1: with a bunch of C.J. Walkers in my career.
0: I know. So that's that's a, that's the magical story of Madam C.J. Walker.
1: Very, very interesting. I had no idea. And again, I had recognized the name and not because, it, you know, I had worked with somebody with a name like that right. in, in radio. <laughs> but it just it's one of those names that you go yeah i i know that name but i don't know where that came from it's like when you see an actor in you, in the movies and you go oh i know that guy who is that guy he's that guy that he's was in that thing that guy that was in that thing yeah but uh, what an amazing story thanks for bringing that to light
0: thank you aaron also we need to schedule a lady date but we'll talk about that later
1: <laughs> not on the podcast right So we are coming right up on the live show. A lot of people have asked us if we are going to record the live show at at Zany's on the 27th of February. Uh, We're going to try. We're going to see how it goes. Yeah, we've
0: (laughs) never done this before. So uh, fingers crossed it'll work. Uh, We'll see.
1: Yeah. If we have a recording that is listenable, and by that I mean technically, Mm -hmm. we will release it no matter how much we suck.
0: I will not promise that. I, I promise. <laughs> We've also had some questions about merch available at the show. We have special ordered some t-shirts uh, just for the show. They will only be available at the show. So yeah. that's going to be a lot of fun. Limited edition. Uh, I'm very excited about it. You did a great job designing those, <laughs> by the way. Thank you very way. much. Yeah. I'm starting to get that uh, you know anxious excitement. Uh, it's getting close. And I cannot wait. It's
1: going to be so much fun. And if you would like to join us, if you're in the Nashville area and or are willing to, uh, to make the sojourn to Zany's Comedy Nightclub in Nashville on February 27th, you can probably still find a few tickets left at theboxofoddities.com.
0: And we'll see you again on Thursday.
1: Yes, we will.
0: For the, for the podcast times. Mm-hmm. Until then, keep flying that freak flag.
2: Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands therefore it's been requested by those i report to to beseech you for assistance the box of oddities is free we ask but one thing of you to provide a five-star rating and a positive review true that is two things however tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review also subscribe to us Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.